You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Ladies and gentlemen, it's your favorite hour of the week. It's time for the Arrowhead Pride Preview Podcast. My name is Pete Sweeney. I'm here with the former chief, Sean Barber, wearing your chief's garb today. Joel Thorman, the blog father. What's going on, guys? Not much. Not much. Sean, yeah, I like this shirt. If only I had a shirt like that with my own uh, name and number on it. That's Jeez, next, that's next my level. name, my number, that's next level. <laughs> what, did, what would your number be? 21, like Dion. Okay. <laughs> I've, I've, I've thought about well, that before. Well prepared with <laughs> yes, the answer. Yes. Mine would be 11 for the new Alex Smith. And we hadn't seen the new Alex Smith last week, but we hope to see him on Monday Night Football. It's the Chiefs playing the Washington Redskins at home, 7.30 p.m. on ESPN. Sean McDonough, John Gruden on the call. But before we get into that game... Talk about last week, Chiefs win against the San Diego Chargers. Sean, I'm going to turn to you first. What did you learn about the Kansas City Chiefs last week? Uh, not what I learned about the Chiefs, but what did I learn about the Chargers? I learned that the Chargers is the best 0-3 team in the league right now. They got two guys that come hot off that corner, Ingram and Bosa. We talked about them before the game, and they uh, they showed it during the game. Aren't they the best sub-500 team in the league every year, though? <laughs> so they who they are who they say they are. They hope they are who we thought they were. But they're going to be they're going to be a team. They're going to upset a bunch of teams throughout the season. Teams that kind of take them for granted because their record. Um, they're going to always pretty much throughout the whole season probably have a losing record. Somehow end up with about six wins, I think, for the for the season. But those six wins are probably going to be against some good teams that underestimate them because of their record. You almost should call them the Los Angeles spoilers because they always get to a point by the end of the season where they're playing to spoil teams rather than make the playoffs. Right. No, I think that's absolutely right. Chargers have been kind of the same old story, and the game did kind of come down to the way we thought it would. It was a game halfway through the fourth quarter, late in the fourth quarter, until Kareem took that last one. So it kind of went the way we expected. But, yeah, the – the Chargers will, you know, probably win five, six games this year. But man, that Ingram and you know Amboza coming off either edge, you know, I thought for the second week in a row the Chiefs' offensive line was really tested, and that's going to be you know another big storyline this week. Speaking of the Chiefs, I contacted some old colleagues yesterday. I work at Chiefs.com. Chiefs.com and Chiefs Twitter has embraced Kareem the Dream. <laughs> Kareem the Dream. <laughs> so thank you guys. All right, now for the news. You know what that is. It's a new kicker alert. Cairo Santos placed on IR. 
He injured his groin last week, actually on his last warm-up kick. We had talked on our podcast on Tuesday that we had thought had been on the penalty, but he was injured all game. Mm. I think that makes the game more impressive. Yeah, and I guess the the hopeful thing here is that it sounds like there's a chance that Santos could come back this year. And I think if you're you know a Chiefs fan and you have kicker issues, you know in January, uh, we've been there before. So you know hopefully he can actually come back. But what do you do if Butker at this point, Harrison Butker, the new kicker off the Carolina practice squad, what do you do? if he's rolling at that point uh you go with the um the hot foot you know they used to say you go with the, the hot, hot hand <laughs> so in this in this instance you go with the hot foot whoever if he's making he's rolling 100 percent as far as extra points uh nailing them in uh arrowhead stadium then we stick with butt kicker santos best kicker in franchise history at this point statistically it's only been you know three years man i would feel much more comfortable with him if he can come back healthy but yeah, I mean, if, if somebody's rolling, I guess, you know, you got to kind of go with, with, you know, however you're feeling at the time. Now, there was a worry among some Arrowhead Priders, the Pride Heads, some Chiefs fans, about whether or not Butker would be ready since he is a practice squad player, and he was asked about that this week. And when I was in Carolina, I was preparing as if I was playing uh, on Sundays, and I would even kick before the game, so that was kind of like my game day, you know, kicking, in, you know, two hours before the game started, so... Luckily, these past two or three weeks, you know, however long I've been uh, with the Panthers, I've been preparing as if I was kicking. So nothing's going to change this week. Sean, you've been a player before. How hard is it to stay ready for the opportunity on the practice squad? <laughs> well, I, you know, I, I never had too many words for kickers. So this is this is a whole new <laughs> a whole new world for me because I kind of almost act like it didn't exist until the final minute when we really, really needed them to win a ball game. But, I mean, he said it he, – I mean, he put it in perspective. Um, as long as he's preparing himself, going through the routines, preparing himself every Sunday, even though it's a Monday night game this week, he's been preparing himself each week as he was the kicker. And the thing that was uh, amazing to me is that for a team like Carolina to carry a, a kicker on their and practice squad – Drafted in the seventh round. Yeah, too. drafted and then carry him on their practice squad. It means he has – he definitely has the talent to be in the NFL. So we, uh, we're going to welcome with open arms until he uh, shanks one. In Dave Tobe, I trust. You know, out of everyone available, this is who, you know, I'm sure Tobe was, you know, highly Death involved. taxes and Dave Tobe. Right, exactly. So, I, I mean, I have faith in the guy just because of that. One thing I want to mention about Butker is his Twitter handle. It's been kind of a funny thing. The media's been talking about it all week. It's buttkicker87, and he was asked about that too this week. Came from a, a trainer at Georgia Tech, like my freshman year. He just said butt kicker or something. I was like, oh, that's pretty interesting, you know, and it's unique. And I get a lot of, you know, people say a lot of stuff about my last name being Butker, and I kind of made it a funny, a funny thing to now be butt kicker. So I don't know. You know, I just went with it. Did you get some new followers this week? Yeah, I did. Yeah, <laughs> got a couple thousand. <laughs> a couple thousand nice. new followers for Harrison Butker. He'll be the kicker this Monday night. Interested to see how he does. I'm not really worried about the low-pressure situations, but, you know, if it's a kick to win the game or tie the game as time's winding down and you never know with how good this Redskins team has looked recently, I don't know. That, that concerns me a little bit. Butt kicker. It says it all. <laughs> okay, he's, he's, he's coming here to kick some butts, so I'm actually, after the show, I'm going to actually look him up on my Twitter account and make sure I follow him. Buck, if Buck Kicker can't do it, I'm not now, sure who I mean, can. now's the time, Sean. You got the fans watching. You want oh, to plug so, your Twitter? So now he's going to have 1,001 new followers. What's, okay. your, what's your Twitter? SeanBarber59. Well, there you go. Follow SeanBarber59. Now, I want to talk about injuries this week. I think the big thing that I'm worried about is D Ford popped right. up. And not only was he not limited, he didn't practice on Thursday. 
Mitch Morris, we knew we kind of knew wasn't going to practice. Zach Fulton filled in last week, but isn't D Ford popping up on that list concerning knowing that the backup right now is Frank Zombo? Yeah, it is. It is concerning. One, I think the majority of the pass rush that, that we worry about at least comes from Justin Houston. So, you know, he's the real key there. Ford's had kind of a quiet season. I mean, he forced that one fumble and had a sack. So the other, the other, I guess, positive, if he doesn't play, or the potential positive is maybe you get to see some uh, snaps from Pasano. Because he's only gotten a couple, you know, so far this year. So I don't know. We'll see. Sure, sure doesn't look good at this point. I'm excited to see the Range Rover from Villanova. <laughs> He's a monster. Have you I been mean, hanging on to this the whole time? Yeah, I have been. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm an 18 guy, so I make up little nicknames for all my 18 guys. So Atlantic 10 represent. But yeah, the Range Rover Villanova. Let him get out there and ride. Let him roll over some people. That's what he does. I mean, I, I've said it before. He looks like a professional wrestler, but you're coming out with the nicknames today. So far, we got Butt Kicker. We got the Range Rover from Villanova. I just, I feel T-shirts. I just can see T-shirts. <laughs> And more and more T-shirts coming from that. Tons of A-10 love here in this podcast. So I'm not concerned about D4 being out. Like I said, the defense is, I mean, they've done well when he's been, I mean, barely on the stat sheet. His presence in the field running thing. I think, you know, Passano and Zombo both can fill that role and really, you know, show some things. As long as you don't put Zombo in coverage like 25 yards down the field, I think, think, you know, he, he can be a suitable replacement for a game. All right, guys, continuing on, get ready. We got some very exciting offensive line news to talk about. Parker Anger, we haven't seen him practice fully in, what, two years now? He did so on Thursday. I think that's pretty big. Do we have a left guard controversy in Kansas City? I mean, maybe eventually. At least the eye test to me says that Witzman is probably the weekly currently along the offensive line. You know, I've always got the caveat that I don't know what the hell I'm looking at, uh, you know, if we're being honest. Especially when it comes to O-line. But also the Chiefs have, you know, some, you know, Parker Anger won the job out of camp last year. I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised eventually if there's some movement there. The word controversy does not exist in the kingdom. <laughs> All right. The depth chart is developed and tweaked through offseason, training camp, and preseason. Once we hit week one, the depth chart is what it is. There's no controversy during the season. You get injured, it's the next man up strategy. That's how you keep it constant so you across the board. You, you, you're going with Witzman until he gets injured or just proves too weak to handle the position. You, if you're there, if you earn that position during training camp, that's your position. No matter if people get healthy or not, you have to lose your position. No one can um, gain it during the season. Especially when you're winning. Yeah. You know, if you're – what, are you going to – Bench him when you're, you know, seven and zero or seven and one or something like that. So, I mean, I, I, I would, I would kind of agree with that. Yeah, I think it might come to keep it simple, stupid. You're three and zero. You almost don't want to even make any moves because I think you make a move and all of a sudden you lose a game. You're not necessarily might not necessarily be your fault, mm-hmm. but people are going to look at what was different in that game. And if Parker Anger gets a promotion and they, you know, get a key sack, then. You know what I mean? It might not be his fault, but people may blame him. Eric Fisher also popping up on the injury report Wednesday. That's very concerning for me. Yeah, especially wasn't it a back? Yep. I mean, six foot seven guys with back injuries. Yeah, that's definitely something that jumped out to me. But, you know, he was limited and I guess, you know, could easily be one of those things where you're just like banged up during the season, which which happens all the time. It's it's week four. So that's going to start to happen now. Right. And, and, you know, you, you notice things like this, and then they carry that injury the rest of the season. You know, mm-hmm. they're, they're limited, you know, all throughout practice. You know, that yeah. had been a concern with keeping Dontari Poe. Anything with your back. You right. never, you know, I think there are certain types of 
body parts in these guys that react differently with different people. You just never know with the back. And that's why I'm right. concerned when I see Eric Fisher popping up with the back. Like, that's troubling. Yeah. Right? The one thing Andy and Brett Beach have done is they always have created a lot of depth in their offense and defensive line just for that kind of reason. The guys in the trenches, um, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a whole different type of battle there. And so it's rarely you find that same five guys, same four guys line up for you for 17 weeks straight. That's the position on you know both sides of the ball that you have to be really deep at. Last injury storyline I want to address is the fact that the Chiefs have traded for Reggie Ragland. He was active last week but didn't see any time against the Los Angeles Chargers. I think we see him this week. I'm hoping we do, um, especially on the special teams. You know, I, I think when you're a linebacker and you come in, DJ and Malik Wilson, they have they have a thing going on right now. They they, they have a, a, a duet that sounds so good to me right now, the way they're reading, communicating, having guys line up. I wouldn't want to interfere with that by trying to get Reggie some extra snaps. But in the goal line, short yardage package, whenever you bring that extra backer in, let him come and get his feet wet. But he can definitely make an impact with his athleticism and his impact to make a hit on special teams. I tend to agree. I see 10 to 12 defensive snaps for Ragland. What do you think? Yeah, if, if, even, if even that much on defense, I've always kind of looked at this as more of a redshirt year. And, you know, you saw Kevin uh, Pierre-Lewis come in there at some point during the Chargers game. So I would imagine he's ahead of uh, Reggie Ragland. Let's move on now to the Washington Redskin-Kansas City Chiefs storylines for the game. John, I'll start with you. There's something special about playing on Monday Night Football, isn't there? I mean, you're the only show on, on, on the network. All your peers, all the other teams, everybody's watching. Their families, your family, everybody's watching. And you get that Monday night, you know, the, the NFL, they, they they put a lot of resources into that Monday night game. So uh, that's the time when you need, to, um, you need to really shine. Yeah, I think Monday night is a big night not only because it's on national television, there, it just sometimes seems like it's truly a different brand of football. I don't know if it's a little tougher, whereas like Thursday night is kind of the night for like a, a trash game. Like that's the reputation that Thursday night has. Monday night is the premier game where all the eyes are on you and it's time to prove it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, who, who doesn't want to play in prime time? This is the start of like a six-week stretch for the Chiefs where they're going to have a ton of uh, national audiences and eyeballs on them. So... Uh, should be a fun run here. Yeah. And what's weird is the Chiefs are usually in their fans are usually trying to demand respect. This year, they've been number one in the power rankings for the, almost the whole time. There are so many fans who say, you know, I'd rather be like three or four at this point than one than have all the eyes on you. But I don't know. I'm like, this doesn't happen very often, so bring it. The national media loving it. Um, I heard we're going to have a, a, like an extra hour of prep time before the uh, – Network started to go into their normal routine for Monday Night Football just to do like a arrowhead tailgating hour to yeah, show the fa- you know show everybody from five to six central time there'll be a tailgating hour in the Arrowhead Stadium parking lot. Joel, I'm going to ask you this. I mean, you know the Arrowhead Stadium parking lot well. How many drunk people do you expect to see <laughs> on the telecast? Uh, a lot. <laughs> if it's a nice day out, you know the game starts like what seven thirty or something. Yeah. There will be plenty on that telecast. Well, if you have a choice between your good grill, your old grill, your new, bring the new stuff out. Like this is the time we want to bring everything, anything with Arrowhead, anything with Chiefs insignias and logos on it. I mean, we want that 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 parking lot, that tailgate to to um, to really shine and, sh- and let's show our bring it your best meats, 
you know, go get KC State Company. You know, we need uh, some sponsorship. Go get KC State Company. Go, <laughs> go ahead. Fried Podcast sponsored. <laughs> go get the best meats and you bring your best rubs. Let's get it going on. Another storyline I want to talk about the Gruden brothers will be in the house. Yeah. You have John Gruden in the booth and uh, his brother, what's his brother's first name? Jay. 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 That's right. Jay, Jay. Gruden as uh, the Redskins head coach. I, I don't know. These guys are all about football. If you can't go to the game and you're a Chiefs fan, it's also fun to hear John Gruden on the call. Yeah, I always like hearing the national guys on the call because they spend you know some time with the coaches beforehand. And you know this year it's especially interesting because you know obviously the the Grudens are related, but also the, of course the Grudens are related, but also John Gruden <laughs> uh, coached with Andy Reid you know years and years right. ago, so they have a long relationship too. Like, I wonder which one he would be loyal to. <laughs> Andy Reid was actually asked that during his press conference. He's like, do you hold some things back from John Gruden? Because, I mean, the coaches are notoriously a little bit more honest in the TV production meeting because, you know, the NFL is all about TV. So he was asked, would you hold things back? And Andy Reid said, I trust John Gruden to the point where I would still just be just as honest because he doesn't think he would tell his brother, which I, I agree with. Yeah, I, I, even if you like so much film study done now, you already know what the other guy do. It's a matter of fact, can you prevent it from happening? Everybody knows that Kareem Hunt's going to get the ball in that situation last week. But the defenders on the field still have to stop it. And so that's when it comes down to, you know, sometimes coaches throw up their playbook. And you see the play sheet get thrown up in the air a few times during the games because you call the right play versus the right scenario in that game. When one of your players bust an assignment, that's when it, a coach is kind of – you lose your temper right there. Yeah. Want to move on to one other thing about this game. We had a write-in from a fan. Greg Minuski is a former chief from 1994 to 1999. He's the defensive coordinator for the Washington Redskins. And I'm going to read this beautiful written letter by one of the Prideheads. Homie, <laughs> I have wondered this week if anyone was going to remember one of my favorite chiefs from back in the day when he gets announced as the Redskins D coordinator on Monday night. He was kind of our Rudy. <laughs> Peace. Mike Gassaway. The Chiefs Rudy's in the building on Monday. I didn't even know that. I know. There was no there was uh, no talk of that. I, I remember talking to you earlier this week and I was like, hey, we should do something on Greg Minuski being the you know uh, former Chiefs linebacker and now I, the Redskins I said coordinator. Like Greg Minus who? Yeah. <laughs> he was and an assistant were, coach here too, right, for a little bit, right? I think so. He started with Marty Schottenheimer in Washington mm -hmm. and then worked his way back to Washington's now the D coordinator. And as we'll talk about in the next segment, that's a tease right there. Uh, well, the, the defense looks great so far for the Redskins. So it should, yeah. be, it should be good to have a former chief. I'm sure he's looking forward to that. The Washington media didn't really ask him about that, but I'm sure he's got to be looking forward to returning to Arrowhead on such a big night. Yeah, when you talk about coaches, Lord, actually he was my uh, – he was my. I was kind of messing with you. He was my linebacker coach my last year in Washington. So Marty's last year when he came to Washington was my last year in Washington. And Greg, uh, we call him a Nutsky, but Greg Manuski. <laughs> this is information you can only find on the Arrowhead Pride podcast. Yeah, it's a private thing, you know. So, so G, G, G knew was my, uh, he was my linebacker coach that last year in Washington. And um, it's, it's some things I see in his coaching style that hasn't changed in, in years. I mean, he's still going to be overly aggressive. He's still going to put a big chew on there and spit and curse and fire his guys up. I mean, he's going to come 100 miles an hour. I just can't hear anything gate. you're saying. All I heard is Manutsky's going to have a chew. That's all I've heard about that. <laughs> All right, well, we talked about the storylines and the injuries. When we come back, we'll get to X's and O's. Stay with us. 
Welcome back to the Arrowhead Pride Podcast. Pete Sweeney here with Sean Barber and the blog father, Joel Thorman. We're talking about the Chiefs and the Redskins coming at you Monday night football this coming Monday night. It's Friday, a little bit of a different feel on the show, a little bit more fun. Uh, we're talking about the Chiefs offense versus the Redskins defense. And I just talked about it before. This is a new look defense under your guy, Minutsky. The three, four, five new starters from last year. And the Redskins looked very good last week holding the Raiders who we regard as one of the best offenses in the league nowadays, to 128 yards. What do you think, Sean? Yeah, I mean, like I said, just knowing his personality, he's a very fiery, emotional defense coordinator. Uh, he's going to be very aggressive early in the game to try to get that momentum swing into his side. I mean, he's not, he's not going to sit back. He's not a sit-back react. He'll blitz. He'll overload, go cover zero. Um, he's going to do some things to try to get us off of our game, especially in those first 15 plays because he knows they're scripted. And he tries to really take advantage of the momentum in, in those initial quarters. One person who was watching last week was Alex Smith. I mean, it's, uh, I mean that doesn't happen. Right? It doesn't happen often at all. I mean, that's a really, really good unit run and pass that just got completely, I felt like, uh, suffocated. They got behind and then uh, became one-sided, and they still weren't able to get much of anything going. So, yeah, but I think this defense is playing really, really good football right now as a unit all across the board in the back end on the front end. Uh, run and pass. Uh, so big, big test for us. Yeah, the thing that really stood out to me about the Redskins defense was that defensive line and just the way they kind of like manhandled the Raiders there at times. And I mean, if, if they do that to the Chiefs offensive line, you know, the, the Chiefs offense will be in trouble. I think their defense will, you know, be able to bail them out. But this is the type of, you know, front seven that they've kind of struggled against at times the last two weeks. What I noticed is that Derek Carr is not a guy who throws interceptions. He had six all year. And Alex Smith shares that trait. You know, there's a similarity between Alex and a Raider, unfortunately, but it's a good one, and they don't throw picks. This is a guy who doesn't like to turn over the football, and he gave it away twice last week. One to a rookie, Monte Nicholson, and then second-year second player in Kendall Fuller, besides just the pass rush. How's his secondary for you, Sean? Well, I mean, un unlike our defense, uh, unlike the Chiefs' defense, what Sutton does is – at the beginning of the game, it's very basic. It's very like, let's get through these first couple of drives. Let me get a feel for the offense. Let's make sure we don't give anything over the top. We'll just come up, keep it in front of us. And then he kind of gets a feel of the game, the blocking protection, the blocking scheme. And then he makes adjustments, and now our defense attacks. The, the Redskins defense is totally opposite. They want to be aggressive at the line, in your face. They got, you know, 24 on the island out there. He's going to be gibbering, jabbering, talking. Uh, he's going to that's going to be very interesting to see who he lines up against and, and what him and maybe Tyreek Hill, how they have a, have a battle between one another. But it's just a, a whole different mentality of how they, how you play defense. And uh, you mentioned the pass rush, Preston Smith and Ryan Kerrigan combined for five and a half sacks already on the year. And the Chiefs did struggle a little bit last week with Bosa and Ingram. Is this part two? I, I mean, it's it's possible. Part of me thinks that just last week on Sunday night in a huge game against the Raiders at home, like the Redskins, you know, line just got up for the game. Uh, that seemed, you know, that just, they had a terrific performance. I'm guessing at Arrowhead, you know, on the road, that's less likely to happen. That's that's kind of what I'm banking on here. And that's the thing, too, that I think about when you talk about Josh Norman is the fact that maybe the Arrowhead faithful can get under his skin a little bit. He's an emotional guy, similar to Marcus Peters, really, in a way. They're very emotional cornerbacks. So maybe he gets a little bit too into the whole Monday Night Football. He, he's been known to get frustrated early if he gets beat. I would love to see something like that happen. <laughs> I would love that. Line Tyreek up on him a couple of times. I'm sure Andy Reid's going to do what he can to get the best matchup for Tyreek, and that's probably not Josh Norman all, no. the, all, all the time. 
No, and you've seen Tyreek in a lot of different looks. Out of the backfield as a runner, you've seen a lot of bit of ghost action and you know the swing plays. So I don't know. Andy Reid has a really dynamic and unique player in Tyreek Hill, and we've seen a lot of different looks already. The, the Redskins want to match Norman up with Hill or match Norman up with one of our receivers. And one, one thing Andy does is by putting those wide receivers in the backfield, it makes that cornerback now becomes part of a, of a run fit. And that's something that most cornerbacks really don't – they don't excel at it and they don't appreciate it. So if we can have Norman thinking he's going to match up with Hill and then we put Hill in the backfield, now having uh, Norman responsible for the C-gap, that becomes a, a benefit to the Chiefs organization. Something he's not used to doing. Something, he's not, he, something he doesn't want to do at all. And um, that's one of the things where it comes to that matchup. You know, we don't match up Peterson against – other people, I mean, Peters, we don't match him up against nobody. He plays cornerback, and that's it. Other teams who try to match up cornerbacks against certain receivers, we are creative enough on the opposite side of the ball where it puts them in positions they're not really comfortable in. We were working with the Redskins site, Hogshaven, and they asked me earlier this week, how do you stop the Chiefs? And I said, it's the three-headed monster. We've already talked about the first head of the three-headed monster. I want to talk about Travis Kelsey. Kelsey, only one reception for one yard last week. We watched the tape. We said on the Tuesday show of the Arrowhead Pride podcast that what we saw was it wasn't him being punished and left out of the game plan. It just was a matter of Alex Smith under pressure when he was intended to get a pass. And guess who confirmed your thoughts, Sean? You know, no, not something I, would, I wouldn't have foreseen at all. Uh, I think one of the way just kind of went that way, the way they were playing him. Also, a lot of missed opportunities as well. I think looking back, I do think that, you know, it wasn't. It was a, a lot of different reasons, I guess. You know, certainly he's a guy that gets a lot of focus from defenses, and that, that was part of it. But certainly I think there were some opportunities out there that we didn't take advantage of. Just got an eye for video. <laughs> well, I know two of those plays were possible TDs right off the bat. Um, one was a, mis- a misran route by Harris that kind of got in the way, and that made Smith hold the ball a little bit longer. And that second one was just an out and up that he was going to be wide open, and Ingram got to him before he could find him. So that's two plays that would have been – 14 points in the and heartbeat. Kelsey's been shut down, you know, in two games so far this year where they give him a ton of attention. And in both those games, Tyreek has scored, you know, so it's kind of like pick your poison there. All right. Well, there you go. That's that's uh, Tyreek Hill and that's Travis Kelsey. Of course, the third head and the three headed monster is our guy Kareem, the dream, as confirmed by Chiefs.com. Will he keep the pace this week? And Reed joked about it last week. Are people going to start asking to him, should he be touching the ball more? And they asked him this week. You know, he's been under 20 carries a game. And you talked about the workload quite a bit as, as far as can he handle it later on in the season. Reed actually addressed that this week. I wouldn't necessarily say cautious. I wouldn't say that. But with all our players, I mean, we try to make sure that we keep in mind uh, how fresh they are and so on, you know, kind of where they're at physically. So it's no different with him. Um, we'll just see how it goes here down the road. You've seen Charkanik in there, and you've seen some of the receivers. Was 13 or 10 in there taking some reps there. So um, everybody's kind of working to spot him there. Will he keep it up? Definitely. I think I think the pace they have him on right now, and it's also important to, to point out that our bye week, you know, week 10, that's right in the middle of the season. That's that's perfect for a guy. Get him through that first half of the season, you know, almost 20 touches a game, and then give him that. F- Week to freshen up, and now it's time to go finish the season. You almost hope the Chiefs give him a red and gold like motor scooter. <laughs> Completely <laughs> off your feet for that week. I mean, under 20 touches a game, I think, is an appropriate use of him. I don't think that's close to being too much. It's not like Larry Johnson back in the day. So I don't think this is even you know much of a discussion at this point. They're using him the right way. You know, We'll probably revisit it after Thanksgiving. But right now, I mean, keep using him. All right, let's turn the page. Redskins offense versus... The Chiefs defense, 
What's maybe most impressive about the Redskins game last week is they had that win all without Jordan Reed and Rob Kelly. They should play this week, but they were still able to score 27 points thanks to mostly change of pace back Chris Thompson exploding for 188 yards. Sean, what do you like about Chris Thompson? A name we really haven't known before, but a name we probably should know moving into Monday night. Yeah, I look at him as being the X factor in the game. I mean, a guy like him, he, he brings to the table the same thing as the Darren Sproles, Rex Burkhead did for the Patriots and for the Eagles. Um, he's going to be able to come out the back. He's a mismatch against any linebacker, probably a, even a mismatch against your safeties. Um, he's a guy who has extreme amount of quickness, great hands, and also can get behind there and run a draw, quick screen game, they, they use him in so many different uh, various situations. Uh, it's just somebody you have to really account for. You know, I think his big playability is the thing that really concerns me because over the course of the game, I think the Chiefs defense is usually going to win. But, you know, if it's a tight defensive game, you know, somebody who can break a big one, like that's, you know, that's, that's the way to take it to the Chiefs. How do the Chiefs end up containing him, Sean? I, I, the one thing the Chiefs have shown is we, we do what we do. I mean, the Chiefs do what they do. <laughs> <laughs> we is the inside joke. The Chiefs do what they do. We play good sound defense. We don't we don't really worry about the, the individual matchups. We're not trying to get our certain guys on your certain guys. We play a certain area. We're responsible for a certain gap. If somebody gets hurt, the next guy is responsible for those same things. They, they choose not to tweak the defense based upon your individual uh, personal skills and abilities. It's a it's a it's a positional responsibility based defense. And over the long term, it's it's so effective because you don't go through the highs and lows against matchup problems. Yeah. And I think I think the best point earlier was, you know, you said that the Chiefs do make those adjustments, those second half oh, yeah. adjustments. And I feel like, you know, every fan at some point you complain about your team not making second half adjustments like the Chiefs are actually pretty good at that, I think. Now, Jordan Reed is one of the better young tight ends in the league. He should be back. What do you guys think about the impact of Jordan Reed returning to this Redskins lineup, who, like I said, had a lot of success without him last week? Well, if I'm, if I'm the Chiefs, I, I, first couple of snaps, I'm hitting Jordan Reed right in the chest. Like, give, I'm, give him the Kelsey treatment. Yeah, it's like you got, you got to give him the, 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 uh, the toughness test. I mean, right off the bat, just in his chest, in his chest, throw him to the ground a few times, make him get up, make him get up, don't help him up. Um, you got to make, make it real physical for him early so he has to like, make a commitment whether I want to be a part of this or not. Some guys you find they do they tap out. If they have a, a pre-existing injury and you start hitting them and putting them down early, they like, man, I can't do this for four quarters. And they'll go tell the trainers, hey, I'm done. Yeah, I mean, I thought they, they did a pretty good – they've done a pretty good job in the post-Eric Berry world covering tight ends so far, so this will just be another test. I mean, I think they'll be up for the challenge. Is this the Terrell Pryor revenge game? You know, he can stretch the field a little bit. <laughs> I would be a little bit worried. It's not really a revenge game. For, for those who, who know about the situation, he was with the Chiefs briefly, still wanting to play quarterback, really wasn't budging from that, ended up leaving the Chiefs. But, I mean, he was with the organization for a little bit, so you know he's going to want to show out in front of his former coaches. I'm, I'm, I was never really too high on Terrell Pryor. I mean, he had, he had a breakout year for the Browns, probably because it was just a lack of he's, overall talent. He struggled early this year. Um, you know, when you're with the Browns, everybody looks great because there's a lack of talent there, so, you know, when, so it's it's hard not to look good with that organization if you have any ability. But once he gets to a team that has other wide receivers, I mean, they're guys like Dotson. Like, he's the receiver I'm really worried about because when the ball's in the air, you can have him covered, and he has the physical character and abilities to go up and just get it no matter what. Finally was able to get that touchdown last week. Got so. a good touchdown last week. And also, like, Vernon Davis. You know, I, He really looked like he was turning yeah. back the clock in Sunday Night Football. 
I consider Vernon Davis one of the top three tight ends in the league, right behind Gronk and, and Kelsey. Those are big words. And, and, and higher he, than Demetrius? Higher than Demetrius. And he's able to <laughs> shut it down. Let's just shut it down. But, I mean, he's able to, he has the body position and he's um, a vertical stretch. He has good hands. It's, it's always just been a focus thing. You know, if he's on a team that's doing well and he's able to focus, I mean, he's, he's, he's a matchup, uh, matchup nightmare for most people. All right, well, there you have it. We've covered X's and O's. When we come back, we'll play a little bit of a game. And, of course, we'll make our game predictions. Don't go anywhere. Hi, I'm Mark from Marina Safeway. We offer great savings on groceries, but did you know we also offer savings at the pump? Earn 10 cents off per gallon when you spend $100 at Safeway stores. Enter your phone number or swipe your club card at the register and earn points. Redeem your rewards at participating Chevron, Texaco, and Safeway gas stations. Maximum gas reward at participating Chevron or Texaco stations is 20 cents per gallon and $1 per gallon at Safeway stations in a single fill-up, up to 25 gallons. Other restrictions and exclusions apply. See complete details at Safeway.com forward slash reward. This is Mark from Marina Safeway, and we'll see you soon. Welcome back to the Arrowhead Pride Podcast. Pete Sweeney here with Sean Barber and Joel Thorman. We have Real MN Chiefs fan Seth Kaiser on the line. Seth will actually be in town for Monday Night Football, Seth. How do you feel about that? I am so excited. It's going to be awesome. Anyone who's listening and watching, if you send me a message and offer to feed me, I will accept that offer on Monday <laughs> night. I'm willing to do that for you. Look at him. Just going to come, probably give you some hot takes, eat some hot plates, and uh, you'll have a good time with Seth. I want to talk about the game predictions for this game. And, Sean, we're going to start with you. What do you predict happens in this game? Man, I, I think, you know, the Redskins have a they have a, they have a safety, man. They have a safety that is their emotional leader. He's their leader on and off the field. He gets the team together to watch film. It's kind of like he's their Eric Berry, um, DJ Swearinger. And when you hear how Minuski talks about this guy, it sounds so much like Barry. It sounds so much like he, I mean, they, they, they're going to ride and die with him. So if we can keep him from making that big emotional play to make that momentum swing to uh, the Redskins side, I see it's going to be a, a close first half. Uh, the Chiefs going to be leading 14 to nine. We'll score another touchdown in the second half, be up 21 nine, the majority of the game. And then late in the game, we're going to give up a garbage touchdown, 21 16 Chiefs. All right, Joel. That's actually fairly close to what I was thinking as well. I think this is a defensive battle. The Chiefs haven't given up more than 21 at home since week one last year. So I see this as 20 to 16 Chiefs. All right. I have 24 to 21 Chiefs. I don't think it's going to be one of these games where the Chiefs dominate. The Redskins have looked too good on defense for me. I think there's going to be similar problems to last week as far as containing the defensive front of the Washington Redskins. We saw that against the Chargers, but I think the Chiefs are able to score enough points to outlast their 21-24 with our guy Butker making the difference. All right, <laughs> All right Seth. Um, I'm going to go a little bit different from the crowd, and oh, I'm no. going to say 30-17 Chiefs. I think people are overestimating the Redskins right now because they beat up on a paper tiger that they are uniquely suited to beat. They are uniquely suited to beat the Raiders, much like the Chiefs are. And I think that they're, I think that people are overestimating them a bit. I think they're an okay team, but their defense isn't that good. And that's what people are thinking because of one game. I think it's, I think it's going to be a comfortable Chiefs win, and I'm going to be there screaming. Well, there you have it once again, Chiefs across the board. Seth, I want to thank you for your prediction. I know you have to go do lawyer things, but uh, we, appre we appreciate it, and we'll see you this weekend. That sounds great. Talk to you guys later. 
All right, now it's time for our game this week, and it's called Do You Know Your New Chiefs? And what it, what it involves is I'm going to give you a question, and I'm going to say, okay, do you know your new chiefs? And then you'll hear their answer. First question, what is Butker's range? What did he say his range was within five? Oh, easy. Um, 52 yards. 52 yards, Joel? He said it was 55 to 60 yards. Let's hear the answer. Well, 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 what kind of answer is that? He gets a five-yard range. You can't say 55 to 60. <laughs> well, let's just see what the answer is. 55, 60, and I think most, most kickers – can do that. I mean, being the NFL, you kind of have to be able to do that. But wherever they put me, I feel like I'm, I'm comfortable. As long as it's 60 and in, I don't think I'm changing anything with my form. You know, just kick it smooth. So it's 55, 60, or wherever, or you could be 80. I mean, he opened it up to even further. Yeah, we'll see if he actually has that range in a game when the pressure's on and it matters. Because I feel like every kicker says, if, you know, the conditions are right, I can kick it 70 yards. So we'll see. All right, moving on. How many copies of Sports Illustrated did Kareem Hunt buy when he was on the cover? Sean? Zero. Ten. I probably got about ten of them, and my mom probably got about fifteen. Sean, you got to pay attention, man. Oh, man, sit down and be humble, dog. Like, <laughs> here, here, all right, so Joel wins, but we're, we'll play the last question for kicks anyway. There's no sound connected to this one. Did some research on this. What did Patrick Mahomes' college teammates nickname him? Um, double or nothing on this one. Double or nothing. Oh, could, uh, could, could get a push if he gets it. Who's the guy from uh, the Christmas story? The guy that you shoot your eye out with the red rocket gun or something like that. I don't know. Um, it doesn't know. sound like that's the answer. The Christmas, <laughs> the Christmas story. You know the guy who shoots his eye out? Ralphie. Ralphie. Okay. Ralphie. Ralphie. Well, I don't know the answer, so in case you could possibly be right. I'll also go with Ralphie. <laughs> That's like the people on Price is Right. Who That's a game uh, strategy right here. You bet a dollar over. Yeah, yeah, he went with the $1. Well, you're both wrong, of course. Uh, the nickname was The Musician. The nickname was given to Mahomes because of his beautiful style of play. Here Didn't you know go. that. You learn something new every day. Yeah, so, that was. Might sound like another T-shirt. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, well, that's it for the football aspect of the Arrowhead Pride podcast. What I wanted to do was leave this portion of the podcast for the end of the show. I had seen a lot of comments that sometimes you just want people to stick to football, and that's your right to not listen. So if you, if you don't want to talk about Anthem stuff, I would shut off the Facebook Live or the podcast now. We're going to get into what the Chiefs will be doing with the Anthem this weekend. It was a discussion uh, this week. Alex Smith sounded off, so... Let's just uh, get to the sound of Alex Smith discussing what the Chiefs plan to do during the anthem this week. I think one of the, the best things about uh, this last week, the way our team handled it, is we, 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 didn't, we didn't have any of these big, I think, team meetings, crazy discussions. I think this team has a lot of respect for each other. I think we have a lot of leaders in this locker room, you know, and, and I think there is a lot of mutual respect going back to that. I think our focus was on where it should have been, right, was, was playing the division game. Uh, getting ready to play that game with all the distractions going on, you know, for us, which were a lot. We were ready all week, right? We knew it was a we were going to play in a, a different environment, small stadium, facilities were going to be different, you know, and then you throw on the emotions of last weekend, and I thought our team responded to it well. I think you looked at a lot of these uh, teams that, that, that did, you know, potentially it did get, get distracting, you know, so this week will be no no different. Our focus is, is on playing Washington on a big stage, really good football team, getting ready to Getting ready for that. I mean, uh, that's, where, where, that's where our focus needs to be. 
So Smith mentioned some teams got distracted. The Pittsburgh Steelers actually said it was a little distracting and they wound up losing. Uh, the Denver Broncos came out and said that they'll be standing together this Sunday. Uh, I believe in the American right to have your own opinion. So we're going to give each one of us the floor and then we'll shut down the show. So Joel, uh, what are your thoughts on what's going on? Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I think as it, as it relates to the Chiefs specifically, you know, Andy Reid seems like just such a leader that I don't think this is going to be, you know, a negative impact on the Chiefs. And I know there's a ton of attention around it. You know, I'm sure we have our, our own feelings, but like, I always think, you know, I see a lot of comments about it and no one's ever said like, oh, that's a great tweet on that topic. I'm going to change my mind. So I just think the, you know, adding the type of context you want is so hard to, you know, kind of have a conversation about it. So I just wrote something down because I didn't want to just get too emotional about it. So um, I said, when did kneeling become an action that symbolizes anything besides submission? While in prayer or reflection, those who kneel submit their moments of time. I understand all the individuals who are kneeling are submitting their moment before or during the national anthem to bring awareness to racial injustice. No disrespect, no turning their backs, no spitting, no name calling, and no mocking our military. Bringing owners and players together is a good thing. Bringing cops and communities together is a great thing. Effective communication needs open discussion by both sides that are willing to listen. I pray for progress. I pray for our country, whether individuals kneel or stand, speak out or in silence. And I wanted to finish that with thanking all of our military and those who serve our country to keep us safe and risk their lives to protect our freedoms. All right, Sean, that was great. Um, okay. I want to kind of preface my thoughts by saying politics aren't my thing. And it's part of the reason that I became a sports journalist. And the reason I'm discussing them today is because now they've entered my world. And I feel I'm remiss to, to not say something. I also want to preface that I am very aware that I am a white man and that what this whole thing is about, there are th certain things that I don't understand. I've never experienced getting pulled over and having a fear for my life. Uh, that, those type of things. So I know that as I begin talking about this, I'm well aware of that. Now, I want to start with Trump because Trump kind of set this, set this off. No matter what you say, and, and you have a right to say whatever you want, whatever your opinion is, and our president has a right just like I have a right. He used the words sons of bitches. And listen, you guys have kids. If you're watching CBS or Nickelodeon, and all of a sudden the words sons of bitches comes through the TV, and your son or daughter starts saying, sons of bitches, sons of bitches, you're pretty ticked off, aren't you? With that alarm being set in your head, for most people, I consider that's probably like 90% of parents, you know, what I would consider a good parent in the world. If that's a problem, isn't it a problem when he's referring to players as sons of bitches? And it puts whatever you're saying at that point in a negative light uh, to begin with. That being said, he said what he said. He has the opinion he had. But I think the bigger thing is we're losing sight of what this original thing was about. It's not about whether you respect the anthem or the flag, or whether you do respect the anthem or the flag. Colin Kaepernick, when he started, started this, wanted to create awareness for racial uh, injustice. And 
a lot of people in that have said, well, why is he doing that in a football field? Why is he doing that during the anthem? And I tried to look into myself and look at my friends, things like that. And, you know, people may say, hey, go do it at a police office. Go do it at the J.C. Nichols Fountain. But the thing is, if he was doing it at the J.C. Nichols Fountain, if these players were doing it at the J.C. Nichols Fountain or at a police, um, police office, police station, would you notice? Would I be having this conversation? Would football fans be burning things? Would it be changing your action? Likely not. It'd be out of your realm. I don't like to talk about politics. What am I doing right now? I'm talking about politics. That's why he did it during the anthem, because it changes something in your day. It's noticeable. And that was to create conversation. So I think what's been lost in this is everyone's saying, oh, he doesn't respect the flag. He does respect the flag. It's not what this is about at all. And I think that's what happened when Trump highlighted the situation is these players said, we're not backing down. And the big thing is, no matter how you feel, and I respect your decision to be upset that players are quote unquote disrespecting the flag. But instead of getting angry, instead of burning your, doing something crazy and burning your jerseys on, on YouTube, I think it's important for people to come together and have the conversation. Whether you're upset uh, that there's people that are doing racial injustice or whether you're on the other side and you're just upset about the flag, figure out what's happening here. And I think let's all meet in the middle and my last thing on this is over the next few weeks, we've seen already the Denver Broncos come out with a statement that says, we're all going to stand together. And there was a New York Times article that said, the owners are trying to scramble and figure out what are we going to do about this situation. The big thing is Colin Kaepernick is without a doubt, it's hard to argue this, one of the best 100 quarterbacks in the world. And there, there's 32 owners and he still can't find a job. Think about that for a second. And remember, as the next few weeks pass on, actions speak louder than words. I hope you respect my opinion. I, of course, respect the opinion of all the Americans that have an opinion on this. And I think that's where we should all meet in the middle. You're allowed to feel how you feel about this. That being said, we all can agree, Chiefs Redskins on Monday night will be something to watch. And this has been the Arid Pride Podcast. Drink run. Here we go. McCafe coffees, shakes, and drinks. Ain't no thing. You the man. Yeah, that's what they're going to say. Oh, Kevin, thank you so much. We love you. That's right. You the champ. The drink run champ. Welcome to McDonald's. How can I help you? Own the drink run, Kevin. Own it. Now get a small smoothie, shake, or frappe for $2 on McDonald's one two three dollar menu. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seems Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seem smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.
Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs>